0: We are back. We are back. And I am also, (laughs) I am just uh, going to be what is it when you just, uh, right from the front, right from, I'm just going to be shooting from the hip. All Monday afternoon here, December 2nd, welcome to December, 23 days, 23, 22 shopping days until Christmas, or 20 whatever it is, days until Christmas. There's another topic right there that we could go on for a week and a half. Um, but a lot of things to talk about as we welcome you back after Chris's successful, successful 40th birthday party. We are back after taking a week off. And, um, happy holidays. There's another thing that pisses me off. I think we got to have an episode today of what pisses us off again, because that just seems to be almost therapeutic for me. What pisses me off is that you cannot in this day and age sell, tell somebody Merry Christmas. You're supposed to use happy holiday. If you don't understand Merry Christmas, go back under the fucking rock that you were living on or living under. When we used "Merry Christmas" back in the good old days, and Jimmy Stewart used to run down the street and think it was a fucking wonderful life. Um, I'm just—I'll give you a precursor today, here, folks. My blood pressure is going to go through the roof today. I'm just telling you right now, it's going to go through the roof. So if this is the day my mother in Florida decides to listen to unscripted, buckle up. Um, <laughs> it's just been a long, long weekend. I apologize to Chris for my non-communicado noncommunicado. But there's just so much, so many things going on in my life, and none of it is real positive right now. Um, National Football League, week number 13. Obviously, we didn't get together last week to go over the games and how we picked them. I don't think at this point it makes any difference when you have a team that I had picked as my preseason chance or choice to go to the Super Bowl, can't even win a game in South Florida. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, there were a couple of times in the duration of the game, that the Eagles were up at least ten points on the Miami Dolphins, and they're up twenty-eight fourteen. There you go, they're up two touchdowns, and they pissed it away. And I do have to say this about Brian—is that his name? Brian Flores, the coach of the Miami Dolphins, who we were all shitting on six weeks ago, that Miami was just laying down and letting teams screw the crap out of them. I got to give you—I got to give Miami credit. I looked at the last quarter of that game. Yesterday and Miami has done anything but quit. Um, they aren't real talented. Whatever, whatever, draft capital in regard to players that they have. One's playing in Pittsburgh. Mika Fitzpatrick, he's been fabulous for the Steelers, Fantastic. and more on the, for more on him later. But the draft capital that the Dolphins did have at one time. The left tackle, I think, is in Houston. Fitzpatrick is in in Pittsburgh uh larry zonka's in retirement paul warfield's in the hall of fame don Shula's almost dead but the miami dolphins have not quit on anybody folks and i gotta say this as well i was surprised as hell about this very surprised at what i saw from the washington redskins over the carolina panthers now i know carolina's been on fumes for a number of weeks here and they probably probably got the you-know-what kicked out of them a couple weeks ago when they gave up 51 in San Francisco and they haven't been the same. But you would think that Carolina, even with Kyle Allen at quarterback, Carolina should be able to go in and beat the 2-9 and nine Redskins, but they were not able to do that as well. And I guess Dwayne Haskins has looked better in his second or third start. And uh, I actually have real concern. After what I saw this weekend from the Green Bay Packers against a team that, to me, is even worse than the Washington Redskins, and that's the New York Giants, the Packers didn't put those bums away until late in the fourth quarter. Will Green Bay have a problem uh, next week, week 14 in the National Football League, when the Washington Redskins visit Lambeau? Well, if they do... The Packers should just mail it in and forget about playing in Minneapolis or in two weeks because they won't beat the Vikings, won't have a snowball's chance in hell to beat the Vikings in Minneapolis. And who knows what happens the rest of the way for the Green Bay Packers. But we've got a lot of things to talk about. Um, Spitballing, but that sometimes leads to the best shows we've ever had on Unscripted when we spitball. But I want to start from what we saw last night, the Sunday night game. Between the New England Patriots and the uh, Houston... I always want to say the Houston Rockets, but the Houston Texans. I want to ask, Mr. Fluke, have the Baltimore Ravens, with their 20-17 to win over the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday, early game, have the Ravens moved past the New England Patriots as Super Bowl favorites for the AFC?
1: That is a really, really complicated question, actually, because... There are a lot of variables and a lot of unknowns here. The New England Patriots benefited from, without a doubt, the easiest schedule of any Super Bowl champion in the history of the NFL. And there's not even a way that it could be close where they're just going. like, I, I, And they still have the Bengals and some other stuff coming up. I don't get how it's possible. This is a first place schedule, let alone a Super Bowl champion schedule. Yeah. But the issue is here... The flu absolutely wiped out the New England Patriots here. went through the locker room. They had to take two separate planes to Houston. They had one for sick people and one for <laughs> healthier people. It was really interesting. The thing is with Bill Belichick, he, he's somewhat the boy who cried wolf because when the probable designation existed, you had Tom Brady probable every single week for 15 years. You know, oh, he's uh, he got this, but oh, he's probable. And it's hard to criticize because he's probable, so you're not, you know, so... So I'm glad they got rid of the probable designation in the NFL. That's great. But then when all of a sudden you see 17 people are questionable, 10 of which are due to the flu, you're thinking, okay, Bill Belichick is just saying, well, the flu went through the room, so I'm just going to list every starter as questionable and I can get away with it. And it'll annoy the NFL, but I'm just going to do it anyway. And then you expect they're going to come out and be 100%. Well, they weren't 100%. And uh, Bill Belichick had said that if, they'd had, if they had played on Thanksgiving, it would have been tough to even field a team. And uh, maybe he was actually telling the truth there. So I don't know. But yeah, the the Houston Texans were ready to go. It was kind of like sharks smelling blood in the water. They pounced on the weakness. If you watched them walk to the arena, uh, the Houston Texans linebackers all dressed in SWAT gear and came in and they were like, we're ready to kick ass tonight. We are not messing around. Like they sensed weakness and we're going to pounce. And that's what happened. Tom Brady has admitted he hasn't been great this year. Maybe he is finally showing his age. Uh, I know of a number of people who who have always claimed that Tom Brady is an overrated system quarterback with average arm skills who has always played for an amazing coach and always the same coach in a great system, and has always had really good weapons, really great O-line play, underrated defenses, great special teams, you name it, every advantage you could ever want. And maybe we're seeing it now. He has admitted that the defense and special teams are the strength of the New England Patriots this year, and it's certainly not the offense, even though they've looked good against horrible teams. And uh, really, this Houston... Win was somewhat uh, predictable when you factor in everything. If if you knew that the New England Patriots were actually decimated due to legitimate illness, then you could see this coming. But uh, yeah, they're they're still going to do well. It's still pretty funny though to see them at ten and two. And literally, I literally saw headlines on ESPN saying you know, this is the worst Patriots team I've ever seen. And, you know, are the Patriots done and all this stuff? And it's like you're acting like they're, as our buddy Walter said, they're acting like they're 4-8 and eight and they're 10-2. and two. It's ridiculous how spoiled they are out there. But, hey, uh, you know, illness can really take a lot out of you. A lot of guys couldn't do anything all week. So the Texans are good. But keep in mind, both the Houston Texans and the New England Patriots, at least one of them is going to have to try to go through the Baltimore Ravens. And they both had their ass kicked by the Ravens this year. So you have to take the Ravens as the favorites right now no one's hotter obviously right now than the Baltimore Ravens even though they got destroyed in weeks three and four against Kansas City and of all teams Cleveland they ever since have figured it out and are just kicking the crap out of teams so yeah you've got to you've got to consider Baltimore the favorite right now to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC giving people a chance to relax and enjoy their Super Bowl parties without having the New England Patriots there to ruin it all
0: As we welcome you to this uh, 428th episode of Unscripted um, after play concluded yesterday, obviously the Monday night game still to be played tonight, Minnesota at Seattle and uh, anybody that's a fan of Unscripted, you know who we're rooting for or I'm rooting for tonight uh, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks for sure Um, but Is there more, excuse me, is there a more disgusting, and I I don't know other word, I could use a couple of the colorful adjectives, but I'll use disgusting. Is there a more disgusting division right now in the National Football League than than the NFC East? Um, Dallas looked terrible to me on Thursday. When they played the Buffalo Bills, and part of that is Buffalo people. I don't know when you people are going to wake the hell up, but Buffalo's a good football team. Yes, they've had. You know, if Buffalo had played to their expectations, would the Buffalo Bills be nine and three? Uh, I don't think so. I think they could be as good as. Really think about it. They could be as good as what ten and two, eleven and one. I mean, they've lost. Uh, they lost a game. And Cleveland. I mean, Buffalo's a good football team, folks.
1: They held Tom Brady to about 100 yards and a pick. And if it wasn't for their quarterbacks throwing five interceptions, they only lost by six points throwing five interceptions against the Patriots. And they held Tom Brady to, well, the offense to single-digit points.
0: But what I'm getting at is that the uh, North Americans in general seem to be sleeping a little bit on the Buffalo Bills. Um They are a legitimate football team. And right now, are they, and again, Chris just very nicely with a nice ribbon explained, and I didn't know about this, in regard to all the flu epidemic running through the Boston area. But realistically, having now known that, heard about that, is Buffalo right now playing the best football out of the AFC East? I don't know. I would think so. I really do. I think if you put Buffalo and New England on a neutral site right now, I might take the Buffalo Bills and the points just because Tom Brady still is under center for the New England Patriots. But back to the NFC East, um, I just said as I came in here today and and I'm going about 900 miles an hour right now and, and um, I'm on a natural high. <laughs> if they could bottle this stuff, we'd get rich. Um, but I really believe that a team that qualifies for the playoffs at 500 or less should not get invited to the postseason party. I, I, there should be a reward. There should be a reward and an expectation for making the playoffs. And with that loss yesterday to the Miami Dolphins, the Philadelphia Eagles flipped to or slipped, excuse me, to five up and seven down. Dallas leads the division at six and six. They haven't beaten anybody. They haven't <laughs> beaten any teams remember, with a winning
1: record, not yeah, one.
0: and remember at the beginning of the year that everybody had the Cowboys in the Super Bowl because they started out 3-0. Well, they started out 3-0 because they played Larry Moe and Curly. And then when they started playing teams with 500 or better records, loss, 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 loss ass kicked, lost, ass kicked again. This is not a good football team. There's talent on the football team. They aren't communicating. They aren't. There's something... Jerry, uh, excuse me, uh, Jason Garrett's message has gotten stale. I don't know what it is, but um, I've heard the name since Thursday. I've heard the name Lincoln Riley. I've heard the name Urban Meyer. I've heard the name, um, oh, there was one other. I can't remember, but I've heard two for sure. I've heard three, but I can remember two. Lincoln Riley, the current coach at the University of Oklahoma, and Urban Meyer as two potential candidates to replace uh, Jason Garrett in Dallas after eight years and only one division title there needs to be a change in Dallas as pains for, as, as painful as this is for me to say the Dallas Cowboys are one of the flagship franchises in the National Football League and I know this must really be tough for you nine remaining Cowboy fans out there but you assholes haven't been in the big game in over 25 years and, you know, I used, I always talk about the 29 years of crap between Coach Lampardi and Coach Holmgren in Green Bay. Well, right now, you're in the 29, 25 years of crap from Coach Johnson to Coach Garrett in Dallas, and there doesn't seem to be anything on the horizon that's going to speed that process up in Dallas. There's talent on that Dallas team, but there's a lot of infighting. There's a lot of bitching, moaning, complaining about contracts, and these do not lead to winning football games on the field when Sunday, Sunday night, Monday night, or Thursday afternoon (laughs) is presented to these NFL teams.
1: Well, Jason Garrett's the worst coach in the league, along with potentially, you know, Bill O'Brien, they'd be at the bottom. But, uh, you know, I think the issue here is that Jerry Jones has trouble firing someone that he personally likes and is close to. And it came out this week that now the Jones family is very close with Lincoln Riley. And so I would put Lincoln Riley as the lead choice there, because it's not about hiring a fancy college coach that they think can make the jump to the NFL, which often doesn't work at all, even including guys like Nick Saban, but... I think with him, he's also close with the family. So that gives him a leg up as well as being a successful coach right now in college. So I would put Lincoln Riley at the top of the list to be the next coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Jason Garrett has gotten way too many chances. I mean, it's been clear for a long time. He's not a great coach. Uh, I mean, so many issues lately, even like not having his guys ready to play in the rain, not suggesting that his quarterback put on a glove until the second half. Like, you know, like this is really basic coaching here, guys. Uh, Just so many. It's like every game when I look at recaps, there's just so many errors that Jason Garrett makes. They could be better than this. They really have a lot of talent. And with good coaching, they would be above 500 and would be would have a stranglehold on the division right now based on how poorly the other teams in that division are playing you wouldn't have expected that the NFC East would be the worst uh, division in football at the beginning of the year I never thought it'd be great and I think I did say that it wouldn't be very good but I never would have thought it'd be absolutely eighth you know, worse than the AFC South at this point, really. But there are a lot of funny memes on the internet this week. Uh, My favorite was they showed a flood in some city, and there were these two garbage cans caught in the floodwaters going down this street, and it just said, oh, hey, it's the Cowboys and the Eagles race for the top of the division. And uh, I just, you know, that's what it is. It's garbage. The, The NFC East is supposed to be this classic traditional... Uh, you know, division, and it's insane. The Washington Redskins are three and nine. They have no chance at a wild card spot yet. They are still alive for the division title and a home playoff game. And you know what? I've always kind of liked the whole thing. Uh, I, I kind of like the way they have the playoffs in the first round by, and then the you know the division winner automatically makes it, no matter what, and has the home playoff game. I kind of get it, but there's some times where it's really bad. Like if it's one win off. It's dumb, but I mean, there was that one year, was that 09, um, was that the Beast Mode game even, where Seattle had a home game against New Orleans, and Seattle's like 8-8, eight and eight and Great call, yeah. You know, and yeah. New Orleans is like awesome, there you've got 10 or 11 wins, or whatever it was, and you know, stuff like that, or, yeah, I mean, back around 09, yeah, you'd have the Seahawks and the Rams, uh, like, they'd be trying to win the division at, like, like the Rams almost won the division at 7-8-1 and one, one year, you know, like, it's, uh, so yeah. Maybe they do have to look at it because at this point, it's just not fair that someone in that uh, NFC East is going to get a home playoff game and make the playoffs when they shouldn't even be there. But uh, whether they make the playoffs or not, Jerry Jones has to get serious and fire Jason Garrett because he's been terrible for a long time. And nobody, nobody outside of Jeff Fisher has gotten this many chances compared to being this bad. I mean, obviously, Jason Garrett's done better than Jeff Fisher, but he's had a lot more to work with, too. So uh, get rid of him. Bring in Lincoln Riley for another failed college to NFL coach if you want there, Jerry. Uh, I, don't, I don't think Jerry's ever going to do anything again. But still, he can do better than Jason Garrett.
0: Um, overreaction or not? I've got a question. I've got a number of questions here. Uh, again, this is including every game except the Monday night game, but these are games, these are overreactions. Re- overreactions or not an overreaction is basically what I'm looking for. I've got uh, one, two, three, four, five questions here for Chris to ask him his opinion on is this statement. An overreaction or not after Week 13 of the National Football League, and I'll start with the first one, which I think is obvious to everyone, including my friend Helen Keller. Is Fre- or Freddie Kitchens will be one and done as the head coach in Cleveland?
1: Oh well, he should be certainly. I mean, David DeCastro, the excellent guard for the Steelers, came out uh, yesterday and said, you know, obviously, and straight up said, obviously, it's bulletin board material because there's been a lot of talked the last few years like, oh, is there still bulletin board material? And coaches go out of their way to avoid bulletin board material, which, of course, is where you say something that, you know, the opposing coach can put in the locker room, say, hey, this is what these guys say about us. What do you guys think? And then everyone gets mad and plays their hardest. And yeah, I mean, uh, that, that was just a stupid thing to do by him putting on that poster that said Pittsburgh started it or whatever. Like, I mean,
0: yeah, Pittsburgh, he, yeah, Pittsburgh started. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. Freddie Kitchens is, I, (laughs) I mean, I can see him being, you know, the, uh, the, the defensive line coach for (laughs) St. Mary's high school or something, but I mean, come on guys. I appreciate he's a kind of a Cleveland guy. He's that salt of the earth type guy, you know, but, uh, Get get serious, guys. This is not coach. He he is out schemed and outmatched every single game. And when he does, and I know he's a rookie, but you can't make rookie mistakes like that. It's the friggin' NFL. That was an un. I I appreciate solidarity with your guys and everything, but that was just stupid. I he he has honestly done nothing good this year in Cleveland.
0: The Jaguars, um, obviously Jacksonville, were losers at home yesterday to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They made the big investment. Uh, with quarterback Nick Foles. My second question is the Jaguars. Did they make a mistake with the signing of Nick Foles? They, they made the change at halftime. They went to the porn star Gardner Minshew third yesterday at halftime after Nick Foles was you know, nondescript in the first half against the Bucks. So the question I pose again, did the Jaguars make a mistake with the signing of Nick Foles?
1: Yeah, they did, and I said they did at the time, because if you look at Nick Foles' history, he's often uh, shown flashes. In 2013, he was the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. He had 27 touchdowns and two picks, looked like the next Donovan McNabb or something. And then after that, he's been crap. He went to the Rams, was terrible. Uh, Chiefs was nothing, comes back to the Eagles, and when he had to fill in when Carson Wentz first got hurt, he looked like he didn't even know how to play football. Then he gets coached up by the excellent Frank Reich and John DeFilippo, and all of a sudden, he has a couple great games, and he's the Super Bowl MVP, and he wins the Super Bowl. Then they sign him based on that, but guys, you can look at a couple games after a couple of really great coaching sessions from great coaches, You ha- and then you stick him with Doug Marone on top of that. Like, come on, guys. You know? So... I mean, you have to look at the whole history and the whole body of work. I know people can improve, but that, this was a reckless, irresponsible sighting based on too small a sample size or maybe two small sample sizes five years apart. It was really irresponsible. It didn't make any sense. And Nick Foles, I like the guy and everything, but uh, he's severely overpaid, and you might as well go with the Gardner-Minchu backup plan and try to see what you can get for Foles or something. But yeah, that was a bad decision, I said that right from the start.
0: Filippo is the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville this year, correct?
1: Uh, Yes, that sounds right. Yeah, okay. Yes, yes, it is. And that's I, And part of it is he probably wanted Foles. Probably. I so mean, he but- probably
0: pushed management hard to get Foles on a, get his name on a contract in Northern Florida, but obviously right now for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And you know, this is hard for some people to fathom, but remember this team was about 15 minutes from going to the Super Bowl two years ago with Blake
1: Bortles, with Blake Bortles. And by the way, I don't know if you saw it, but this morning it was announced on NFL today. Uh, I believe Ian Rappaport announced that they have benched Nick Foles and Gardner yes. Minshew is the starter. Yeah. So man, yeah. brutal.
0: Um, third question, the New England Patriots won't get... One of the two top seeds in the AFC.
1: Oh, I wouldn't say that. I think they're going to get no, because I mean a team would have to overtake them straight up. Like they've got at least one win on everybody else in the AFC except for Baltimore. And I don't. And I mean they still play Cincinnati, and you know they
0: they've got they do have a matchup with Kansas City coming up, but Kansas City is still two down in the loss column to the New England Patriots in that game. I think, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that that game is in Boston.
1: Uh, It is, yes, and I I know that'll be a bit of a challenge. But here's the thing, though. If they somehow do get overtaken by somebody... That would be interesting because the New England Patriots have never made the Super Bowl unless they've been a one or two seed. Correct. Right. I mean, Absolutely. so I'd love to see them have to go through Wild Card Weekend, even with a home game. Uh, I'd love to see that. And it, it. And yeah, they are starting to look shaky, and now that they're playing some real competition, the cracks are being exposed a bit. And I mean, the illness made it worse, but yeah, I'd like to see them have to play on Wild Card Weekend for sure.
0: These, uh, it's still tough for me to call them the Los Angeles Chargers. But the Los Angeles Chargers pissed away another one yesterday. Um, An iffy pass interference call, which led to a Denver score. And, um, you know, I got to say, Denver's playing a lot better without Joe Flacco at quarterback. (laughs) But my question there on overreaction or not, Phillip Rivers, is he playing his final month as a member of the Chargers organization? Oh. uh, I really like
1: Philip Rivers. Man, uh, that's a horrible one. I I don't know if you can blame it all on him. No. Because I, I don't like this whole, oh, he sucks now, whole narrative. You guys haven't given him an O-line. And what O-line you have given him is tackles. Russell Okung and Sam Tevye have been out half the time. Correct. So in this league, you can't win without an O-line. I mean, if you told me there was a team that was always in one-score games, often on the losing end, and they've got a lot of talent, a lot of big-name fantasy guys, and they just can't—and a great secondary, and they can't sustain drives, and they can't finish off drives, and they can't finish off games, and they can't put teams away. I would say, based on everything you've said, that has to mean they have a bad O-line. Like, there's no other realistic explanation for that except they have a bad O-line. If they had a bad O-line—I mean, if they had a good O-line, rather— uh, I mean, how good would they be right now? Let's say they had, like, the Colts O-line right now, and the rest of the team was the same. And let's say Durbin James had been healthy. Yeah. I seriously doubt you're going to be asking questions about Phillip Rivers. I just don't see it at all. I don't think he'd be playing poorly at all. I don't see it. So, uh, I mean, and look at last year. Like, so last year, he was only a year younger, and he's still in his 30s, and he was, and what were they? They had 11 or 12. 12 and Woods, 4, 12 last and four. Year. And their O-line wasn't even amazing, but it's better than it is now. And uh, nobody was asking that question. They were asking like, hey, can they overtake the amazing Chiefs and somehow win the division? So, yeah, I don't think Philip Rivers is the problem. It's hard to know when quarterbacks are going to regress right now. I'm not sure if we're seeing the regression of Philip Rivers or not. I'm not sure if we're seeing the regression of Tom Brady or not. We don't know. This is sort of uncharted territory now with modern training and nutrition uh, you know, we've just never had this in, in previous generations. So it's tough to say. I honestly don't know. Man, uh, it sounds like they are trying to blame him, but the problem is the O-line. So I'm going to guess that they don't that they come to their senses and give him another year, hopefully with some upgrades to the O-line or at least a healthy Russell Okung. But, man, I know they're coming down hard on him, but that's not really the problem.
0: You want to hear my take on the San Diego slash Tijuana City slash Los Angeles Chargers? Sure. I think that three years on the road has finally caught up to them. They've been playing away games for three fucking years. Yeah, yeah, And I also believe that Dean Spanos, who I've never really trusted as one of the 32 owners of a National Football League franchise, I do believe that Mr. Spanos tried very hard to to find a stadium solution in San Diego. I will give him credit for that. You've got a bunch of tree-hugging morons on City Council down in San Diego. That was a real and obviously a hill that they couldn't overcome. But I believe after this season and the three years of the traveling road show where they're practicing in La Jolla, their team headquarters is still in La Jolla, but they play their games 125 miles to the north in Los Angeles. I truly believe that the San Diego slash Tijuana City slash uh, Los Angeles Chargers are going to go through a major makeover before they move into their new shared stadium next year with the Los Angeles Rams. And I believe that not only will Phillip Rivers be a casualty, I believe Anthony Lim will be a casualty, and they are going to start clean in their new building in Inglewood. And I would like to Mm. see... We have talked on this program previously about Cam Newton and where he's going to play next year. And I truly believe that Phillip Rivers is not done yet as an NFL quarterback. I think he might be done in Southern California, but I believe that Phillip Rivers in... Chicago or Denver, one team gets Newton, one team gets Phillip Rivers, and both of those teams, Chicago and Denver, will uh, be the beneficiary of having two good quarterbacks under center if it's only for one year. But I believe that whoever gets Newton, of those two teams, Chicago, Denver, whoever gets Newton, the other one's going to get Phillip Rivers. I truly believe that because I think... They want a clean house. They want to start fresh. They're going to be in their new building. That makes sense. There's a a brand-new $2 billion, spectacular spectacle of a building being built in Inglewood, California, next to the old Great Western Forum where the Lakers and the Kings used to play. It will be ready for kickoff in 2020, and I believe that the Los Angeles Chargers will have a new quarterback. They'll have a new coach, and unfortunately, the whipping boys, they're going to take the blame for this aberration of a season are going to be guys named Anthony Lynn and Philip Rivers in Chargerland. Uh, before we get out of here on this 428th episode of Unscripted, I just wanted to go through real quick the updated AFC and NFC playoff positions in the AFC. Uh, and of course, this could change, obviously, with what happens tonight between Minnesota and Seattle. But as we sit here through the 1st of December in the AFC, your first two seeds are Baltimore and New England, followed by Houston, Kansas City, Buffalo, and Pittsburgh. And congratulations to the Pittsburgh Steelers for hanging in there, man. They're on their third quarterback. They didn't have Juju Smith-Schuster yesterday, even though they played, obviously, those neophytes from Cleveland. They played the Browns. But, man, I had picked the Browns because you would think that this would be one game that Cleveland could really get fired up for, but then obviously we had the T-shirt thing, and I get the biggest kick out of Freddie Kitchen saying, well, my daughters wanted me to wear this shirt. Okay, well, when you're on the on the unemployment line next year and you're looking for food, make sure your daughters are right there with you, Freddie, you freaking idiot. In the NFC, San Francisco and the New Orleans Saints maintained the first two spots. New Orleans was the first team to secure an official playoff bid with their win over the Atlanta Falcons. They are the champions of the AFC South. Congratulations to uh, Sean Payton, Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, all the uh, Lattimore, all the great players in in New Orleans. And and I think it's going to be really fun to see New Orleans and San Francisco this upcoming Mm -hmm. weekend in in, uh, New Orleans. Then uh, f- uh, rounding out the playoff field in the NFC, Green Bay, Dallas, Seattle, Minnesota. And again, those last two changes, uh, there could be some real change tonight depending on what happens between the Minnesota Vikings and the Seattle Seahawks. And one quick topic before we get out of here. Um, I don't know. you. I know you've heard this, but I'm, I'm interested to see your comments on it. The uh, National Football League late last week suspended – uh, Arizona Cardinals. I don't even know what position this guy plays. I think corner. He's
1: a practice squad guy, basically. But
0: but he is suspended through the 2020 season yeah. for betting on NFL games. This guy's name is Josh Shaw. Uh, I've never heard of him. Chris has never heard of him. Um, he must be you know roster guy 48 through 53. But um, here we go again. Another thing to add to the circus that is the National Football League. Um, will we ever see, I mean, the last time that I recall players getting suspended for gambling on NFL games, I've got to go back in my mind, way back to 1963 when Paul Horning of the Green Bay Packers and Alex Karras of the Detroit Lions were suspended for the whole season in 1963 for getting caught for gambling on NFL games. Um, and those two were marquee Hall of Fame players. Both of those individuals, Alex Karras and Paul uh, Paul Horning, are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I don't think we'll have to reserve a bust for Josh Shaw, but I'm wondering if we'll ever see Josh Shaw again in the National Football League after his little indiscretion. Again, he has been suspended through the 2020 season by the National Football League for betting on NFL games.
1: Well, I think this whole gambling thing is such a work in progress, and I think we're getting there now. They're legalizing gambling. This should have been done, I mean, forever ago. It doesn't make sense. Most places outside, maybe Nevada and Atlantic City, I mean, the whole thing, like, oh, betting is this bad thing and stuff. And, like, for example, I've never understood this. So I can go and forever I've been able to play sports select in Canada, but they've never had single-game betting. But it's like, how are you protecting me with by not giving me single game betting, it's easier to win single game betting. You force me to do a at least a two or three game parlay or more on anything I play. That's way harder to win. How, isn't that making it so people will lose more? Isn't that more dangerous to people? It doesn't make any sense, so uh there you know I don't know a lot of this stuff is just out of date worrying about gambling and stuff. Who cares if he's betting on games? If you want to make some sort of rule that you can't bet on your own team then that, i mean that's reasonable enough but this if a guys is betting on some random games how can you you can't even stop that anyway if a guy, if they know that that's the problem then they can just have a proxy do it for them it doesn't make any sense so uh, i don't know i i hope that this gets changed and i'm sure society will catch up in a while but as of right now we're just we're still behind the times on things like you know gambling and that i still don't think that they that you know uh playing i don't know if they if casinos are legal in texas yet are they or playing playing poker is legal in texas yet I, I, don't think, I have no idea i don't think you can I play just no hold them in texas yet it's not funny yeah, yeah so anyway so i don't know it's just it's all out of date and it's it's kind of it, it's really boring and annoying so i hope it changes soon
0: i want to thank everybody for participating and uh, obviously hope that you continue to do so a lot of things to talk about as we go through a whole week of shows here on monday afternoon as we welcome you to the state or excuse me the month of december as we sit here on Monday, December 2nd, 23 shopping days until Christmas. (laughs) Who cares? You can do that around the clock now. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.